Thank you very much for taking the time to come this evening. I want to take a few moments and just kind of put a bow on what I believe to be already the present tonight. I want to thank every single one of our participants who have worked hours and hours for just a few minutes to uh, perform for the Lord and allow us to watch as well. And may I say to all of you a Merry Christmas. Stories and songs of Christmas. You know, everyone has their own story. I have uh, this next year will be my 56th Christmas on the planet. And every one of them has been unique. And uh, when I grew up, my, my dad was in the military, but he had happy feet. We just moved almost every time the rent came due. Not, not really, but uh, we, we moved a lot and lived in 17 different houses in eight different states. And so I have Christmas memories in Mississippi and Tennessee and and Illinois, and Wisconsin, and Missouri, and uh, different locations of, of our, our Texas. But, uh, you know, every Christmas has always been a special time. I'm so grateful for my mom and my dad to give me sweet Christmases growing up, and now having uh, nine children of our own, and uh, watching uh, these Christmases come by, and, and enjoying those. Lots of stories about Christmas. Of course, I remember watching Peanuts, um, the Charlie Brown Christmas, and that little pitiful tree that he had there. And then it's, uh, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch, you know, as some of you are familiar with that. And, uh, of course, It's a Wonderful Life. I kind of liked watching that on an annual basis and seeing all that happens for uh, Clarence, and he gets his wings and all the things that take place there in Jimmy Stewart's role there on that particular thing. Lots of wonderful stories. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, remember that? And the little dentist that finally got the elf that didn't want to be an elf, he wanted to be a dentist. And uh, remember watching, growing up, watching uh, Santa Claus go across on a Norelco shaver going all over the mountains there and uh, seeing things of it. Lots of stories of Christmas. Home Alone, I think that's one of the famous ones as well. Everybody has stories. I remember my mom and dad. My dad liked, uh, he was a big guy, 350 pounds, big man, but he liked those uh, chocolate-covered cherries. So we would get those and make sure he had a box of those there for, he was our Santa Claus. We found that out later. But uh, he was our Santa Claus, and our Santa Claus didn't like cookies as much. He liked chocolate-covered cherries and, and a glass of milk. And uh, sweet stories of them coming together and getting everybody uh, gift and our parents didn't wrap presents they just put them all over the living room and uh, they made us wait until it was time and then it was a free-for-all you know and uh, I remember we had six of us kids and so I would be over here looking at yo-yo and say hey Matt you got a yo-yo over here hey oh, you got to watch over here you know and so we were going back and forth in the living room finding out where everybody had their gifts it went over pretty quick but uh, we enjoyed enjoyed so much those Christmases and my story is different than yours. Maybe some of you would say, my story of Christmas is not all that hot. And I know my dad growing up with a mother who was intoxicated most of his adolescence. And mom and dad had friction and challenges. Christmases were not fun for him, but he made them fun for us, and I'm very grateful. Your story may be like my dad's, or it may be like mine, or maybe unique to yours. But uh, everybody has a story of, of Christmas. I would also say that there are lots of songs of Christmas. We've heard numbers of songs, and I tell you, I love that old Calm All You Faithful. 
and uh, joy to the world. Can't get better than that. I like it. We sang it in the program and sang it congregationally tonight. And I love those songs. But there are other Christmas songs, and whether you like Silver Bells or uh, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas or Grandma Got Ran Over by a Reindeer, you know, lots of great songs that, uh, that remind us of the Christmas story. But the first story of Christmas was uh, far different than what we know from the commercialized uh, stories that we hear today. It was a story of, of a problem, and the problem was people on earth did not have peace with God, and they had problems because they were sinful, and God loved them and wanted them to be okay with him. He wanted them to have peace with him forever. And, uh, but they couldn't provide that in their own goodness. So the first Christmas, Christmas is about peace. It's about having peace with God. And so what God designed to do, that he loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. And he, the innocent, came to the earth in the most uh, vulnerable way as a child. I watched a little family, and they're probably in the room tonight, but um, they just had a baby three months, three weeks ago. And that baby's so small, so vulnerable. Apart from a care of a mom or dad, that baby will not make it. And that's how God sent his son, Jesus. He uh, sent him through a little girl named Mary and her husband, Joseph. They had not come together as a husband and wife, until after the baby was born. It was important that she be a virgin because had Joseph been her, uh, Jesus' father, then he would have been a sinner just like me and just like you. And so that was very important that that be a miraculous birth. But they made their way, of course, to Bethlehem. They, God moved heaven and earth and moved world governments for Caesar Augustus to call for a, a world taxation and a a census to be taken. To do that, he required every person to go to their hometown. And since Joseph and Mary were of the lineage of David, they needed to go to Bethlehem, which is about 80 miles from where they normally lived in Nazareth. They made their way down. And uh, she, after being there a few days, it was obvious she was going to have a baby and there wasn't an adequate place to have a baby, but they found a place where at the end, when the baby was born, they didn't lay it in a baby bed in a, someone's house or didn't put a little pallet down on somebody's floor. They laid him inside of a manger where cows would eat out of and animals would get their feed from. That was his first baby bed. But the first song of Christmas took place on the hillside just a few minutes away from Bethlehem. The Judean hills where shepherds, a very common person, and sometimes not very, uh, a little bit despised. But they would raise sheep. Uh, and uh, many of the sheep they would raise would be used as a sacrifice in the temple. And it was the common shepherds that God put a spotlight on the hills of uh, Bethlehem and told them, about the Lord Jesus Christ, and that he was born. He said, don't go look in a hospital. Don't go look in a house. Go find a baby laying in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes, 
strips of little clothing that people would use uh, for children, but also used to wrap a, a deceased body. And because he was born not to live, he was born to die. And then after these shepherds were notified, then we find that um, a song started. And it had two main thoughts. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to men. See, Christmas is about the glory of God and about the peace of man. See, the Bible tells us by ourselves we are not at peace with God. All of us are made by God, but we must reconcile with Him before we die. The Bible tells us that, uh, that a man by himself is alienated. from. Now, he's not very far from any one of us. He wants to reconcile with you more than you and I would want to reconcile with him. But the Bible tells us that Christmas is about glorying to God, giving others a good opinion of God, and providing peace for you and for me. I remember one night sitting in a service like this one in a much smaller church in Picayune, Mississippi. I think our whole church building could probably fit in the, in the half of the section of this, of this part right here. But I sat there on the far right side, and someone asked me, John, do you know for sure if you die, you go to heaven? Do you know for sure you have peace with God? Do you have forgiveness of sin? And though I was religious, I did not know the answer to that question. I couldn't say yes to either one of those three questions because I was a sinner, and I didn't have peace with God. I believed in God. I, I believed that uh, he, he loved me. I believed the Bible was the word of God, but I did not know how to make peace with him. And I think that's what Christmas is all about, making peace with God. And God made a way. You know, everyone who makes peace with God does so because God makes it possible. In John chapter 6 and verse 37, the Bible says, Jesus said of himself, all that the Father giveth me will come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. See, God is ready to make peace with me. He was ready that night to make peace with me. And he's ready to make peace with you. I'd like to share with you three things that you and I, the Bible teaches very clearly. What I described to you is found in Luke chapter 2. But there are three things that everyone needs to understand to make peace with God. Number one, we need to understand that we can't make peace with him in our own ability. That means no matter how good or how bad we are, we're not good enough. I want to be a good person. I'd like to be a good husband to my wife, Linda. I'd like to be a good father to my children. I'd like to be a good friend to my friends and a good neighbor to my neighbors. I'd like to be a good co-laborer with my co-workers. But no matter how good I try to be, every day I've managed to think things I shouldn't think, to say things I shouldn't say, and do things I shouldn't do. I've had this problem for 56 years. Matter of fact, I was born with that problem. And the Bible says that there is none righteous, no, not one. Nobody does the right thing all the time. I don't do the right thing all the time, and you don't do the right thing all the time. 
Another verse of Scripture says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means that all of us have sinned against God, and all of us come short of what it takes to have peace with Him in our own ability. Because whoever, whatever God is, He's holy. He's without sin. And He can't accept me on my terms. I have to go to Him on His terms. And the Bible says, John, all of us have sinned and we come short of what it takes. Come short means I missed the mark. If the bullseye's here, I miss it. If here's the measurement, I come short of it. Oftentimes you use the illustration, it's kind of like jumping across the Grand Canyon. No matter how good of a jumper you are, don't try it. Because there's another law that's greater than your ability to jump, and that's the law of gravity. <laughs> You're not humanly able, no one is, to jump across that chasm. And no one in their own ability can go to God in their own ability. And the reason is because we're sinners. And we're born that way. We have a sin nature. I, no one had to teach me how to sin, and I've never had to sit down and teach my nine children how to sin. I don't have to teach them how to lie and how to lose their temper. I don't have to teach them how to be negligent or lazy. They learned that from me because I am in them. And my dad's in me and his dad in him and Adam is in us. The Bible says when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, so then death passed upon all men for all of sin. To make peace with God, number one, you'll have to admit that I need help. I can't do it by myself. Number two, I'd have to understand what God says the payment of sin is. If I, if I pay for my own sin, what's it going to cost? And you know, God doesn't mince his words. In the book of Romans, in chapter number six, here's what he says. He says, for the wages of sin is death. So if I had to pay for my sin, the wage of my sin is to die. Well, most of us work jobs and You'll get a paycheck at the end of your pay period. It'll say gross wages, net wages. That means you did this for your employer and they gave you this. You did this job and they paid you your wage. The Bible says because of sin that I've committed, you've committed, the wages of sin is death. Now, can we talk a little bit about death? I don't like to talk about death. But death is not annihilation. But it is a certainty. You know, one out of every one person dies. It's a given. The Bible says it's appointed under every man wants to die. So I don't like to talk about it. I don't like to think about it. I remember when my father passed away. I remember when our 17-year-old son was taken in a car accident. And the pain of that was, I, I saw his body again. He didn't, death is not annihilation, it's separation. It's what made me hurt so bad. That's what made his mother hurt so bad. That's what made his siblings hurt so bad. It's because we had him one afternoon, and that night he was gone. And he has been gone from us ever since. We've been separated from him. And that's going to happen to me, and it's going to happen to you. See, death in the Bible is twofold. It is physical, and that's going to happen to everybody. But there's another death, and that is, that is eternal. In the last book of the Bible, in the book of the Revelation, in chapter number 20, and verse number 14, here's what the Bible says. 
It says that death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You say, Pastor, you brought me to a Christmas program to talk about the lake of fire? Not really. But I would not be honest. And I have read this book over and over again, and, and I would not be an honest man to tell you that there's nothing to worry about. The lake of fire is just a fairy tale. But it's something Jesus spoke about more than he spoke about almost anything else. He spoke about a place of eternal separation from God. And he says this place of eternal separation is the second death. So what the Bible teaches, if I'm going to make peace with God, number one, I would have to understand that I can't do it by myself because I'm a sinner on my best day. And if I could go to heaven by being good and not doing bad, then why would Jesus have to die on the cross? Number two, I'd have to understand that the price of sin is to be separated from God eternally in the lake of fire, a place where God's not going to go for eternity. The third thing that I would need to understand to have peace with God is that God loves me and he loves you. You know, everyone who goes into eternity without God goes there unsaved, but no one goes there unloved. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And when he did, he, get, here's what exactly the word, the word of God says, the wages of sin is death. But, hold on, there's a gift. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. I deserve to pay my sin debt myself. But God says, John, I have a gift for you. And that gift is eternal life. That's the opposite of eternal death. And it's through what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. Jesus died so you could live. He, the innocent, died for you and I, the guilty. And when he came, he offers us a gift. Now, Many people are confused in this, I believe. If you look at the Bible, God says eternal life is a gift over and over again. But religion often teaches that if you're going to have eternal life with a God, you must earn it. You've got, it's a reward for the righteous. It's not a gift for the guilty, but God says it's a gift for the guilty. You know, uh, two things about a gift. A gift has to be free to the person who's going to receive it. And number two, it has to be accepted. There has to be a moment of time when you receive the gift. So to make peace with God, number one, we have to understand we can't do it in our own ability. Number two, if I had to pay for my own sin, the wages of sin is to be separated from my loved ones physically, and my body, and eternally separated from God eternally in the lake of fire. But God loves us, and on the cross, he did all that was needed to be done. When he died, he was buried, and he didn't stay dead, but he rose again so you and I could be saved. 
Then the last thing you would need to understand, those are things you understand. That, now, you'd have to decide on this. I had to decide on this, and everyone does. No one goes to heaven because someone else makes a decision for them. That has to be done by you. You could be in the same family with someone who says yes to Jesus, and you can say no. You can be married to someone who says, yes, I'll receive God's gift, and you can say no. It's your decision. But the Bible says this, if you understand that I'm a sinner and I can't save myself, I can't make peace of God myself, I deserve to be separated from him, but that he loved me and on the cross it all needed to be done to, be, to save me, to forgive my sin, then I need to accept that gift. See, it's not hard to make peace with God. He did 100% of the work to make it possible. But you and I have to accept it. See, Pastor, if I wanted to accept a gift, how would I do that? Well, you wouldn't take it with your hands. Now, we're at Christmas time, and many of us are going to walk to our friend or loved one and say, I bought this for you. I made this for you. And you're going to hold out a gift, and your friend or your loved one's going to accept it and say, thank you. Well, you take a gift humanly by your hands, but the gift that God has for us, we must take it with our heart and with our mouth. Here's exactly what the Bible says in Romans chapter number 10 and verse 11. It says this, For with the heart, excuse me, verse 10, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. That means with the heart they believe that the righteousness I need is not in me, it's not in the church, it's not in the baptistry waters, it's not in being a good person, it's in Jesus. The righteous I need is in Jesus. With the heart, some believes that. And with the mouth, confession is made to salvation. In verse 13 of that chapter, the Bible says this, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. See, you know, everybody needs to be saved. And when you're saved, that means you made peace with God. You came to him on his terms, that you were a sinner, you deserved help, only Jesus could pay for your sin, and you believed it and asked him to save you. I'll never forget the night I made peace with God. It was the best day of my life. Matter of fact, it was the day I made peace with God. It's the day I was saved. It was the day I was born into God's family. Have you ever heard anybody say, you must be born again, or I'm a born again Christian? Well, some folks use that for their own, their own favor, but the truth of the matter is, it was Jesus who said in John chapter 3, you must be born twice. See, Pastor, why does I have to be born twice? By the way, birth is a miracle of a moment. It's not a process of a lifetime. It's a miracle of a moment. It, when you were born, you just give one day. You don't give a bunch of different dates. You don't go over a period of several weeks. No, no, you just... This is my birthday. And you know, going, taking God's gift is a moment of time. It's like you take a gift. When did you get that gift? Well, you got it in your front room, or you got it around the Christmas tree, or at work someone gave me that gift. You know where you were when you took that gift. Where were you when you took the gift of eternal life? Because that's when you were born to God's family. God says you must be born twice. Here's why. Because if you're only born one time, just physically, and you're never born into God's family, you accept God's gift of eternal life, then you're going to have to die twice. 
physically separated from your body and loved ones and eternally separated from God. But if you're born twice, you only die once. God wants us to make peace with him. Have you made peace with him? I want you to look at this verse real quickly in closing. In Romans chapter 5, in verse number 1, I put it on the screen. I want you to look at it. Would you mind just reading it one time with me, everyone together? Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is just one verse of the Bible, but I want you to notice, it's the first word that I want you to notice is the word justified. Justified means you have been declared innocent before a God. You know, it'd be kind of like if I were to go to court and stand before a judge. And I've been to a couple times in, to court, and, and the reason is none of your business, okay? <laughs> but when I, when I went to court, I didn't like it. I didn't know the judge. I didn't know the process. I didn't know the bailiff. I didn't know anybody. And I, I felt very, very nervous because each time I went, it was my fault that I was there. I was guilty. When I went there, I didn't like going there. But you know, uh, the judge is there. And you know what the truth of the matter is? I am going to stand before God one day. But I'm so glad that there was a time and a place when I was justified. I don't deserve to go to heaven. I don't deserve to have peace with God. But there was a moment of time when I understood I was a sinner. I deserved hell. Only Jesus could save me. And I asked Christ to save me. At that moment... I was enveloped by Jesus Christ. And now when it's my turn to go to court with God, he doesn't see me and my sin. He sees his sinless son. Not my unrighteousness. He sees his righteousness. Justified means that when you, when you stand before God, you're declared innocent before him. So we're justified and then here's how we're justified. By what? Faith. Not by works. Not by good deeds. God did all of that when he sent his son Jesus. But by faith in what Jesus did. Then we have peace with God. Through, not the church. I love this church, but this church cannot get anyone to eternal life. In a few moments, I'm going to baptize people in the baptistry, but no one is going to go to heaven because they've been baptized. Water cannot wash away sin. We can be the best we can, but even on our best day, we need help. And we're justified by faith, but when we do that, we have peace with God. And it's through Jesus Christ. Christmas. Glory to God, and on earth, peace, goodwill to man. Do you have peace with God? Have you come to a face-to-face -face understanding that the Bible's true? And the Bible says we're all sinners. We all deserve hell. Only Jesus could save us. You know, Christmas, and we can make Christmas about Santa Claus. And we can make Christmas about the Grinch. And we can make the fuzzy-wuzzy stories and sing Walking in a Winter Wonderland. But the first Christmas song was about a God who loves us and he can make peace with us through his son, Jesus Christ. I'd like to encourage you to make peace with him. I'm going to ask if you would please to bow your head.